Welcome to the Read Option Podcast. Today we'll be discussing the Pac-12, their media days, division picks. We'll also discuss the controversial transfer of Darren Carrington to Utah from Oregon, as well as Nick Staben and his comments to ESPN about scheduling and bowl games. This is the Read Option Podcast. Ready, down, put, 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 put. It's Division One football! Play brother. We got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face until somebody dogged our little tears off. Welcome to the Read Option Podcast, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. As David said before, we're going to be talking about Nick Saban right now. So, David, what do you think about Nick Saban's discussion about Power 5 conferences? The question in that, he said we should only play Power 5 teams. Well, well, I think I kind of like where he's going with that. If if you look back over the last, well, last year, what did we get really excited about? Week one was an amazing week in college football. And that's because we had great games to play. We had... Uh, USC-Alabama. USC-Alabama. Right. Well, that looked on paper like it would be a great game. It right. didn't, didn't turn out fire. to be one. <clears throat> we had... Texas, Notre Dame. Um, we had numerous good games. I can't think of any more off the top. I just remember that as an amazing week. But we also had the crappier games like Utah versus Southern Utah. And whoever Washington played, I know they weren't very good. Rutgers. 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 I mean, right. I guess they're a Power 5 team. But I like where he's going with it. I'd actually like us to maybe not necessarily play all Power five teams, but at least get rid of the S- FCS games. Those those games, I don't really see any value in, especially when they're played third week of November. Nick Saban. Exactly right. <laughs> no one wants to play Chattanooga in the third week of November. When in November, you should be ramping up, especially for him. You know, someone who's going to the playoff every year. You know, I a lot of times when these kind of things happen, I'm always on the contrary with Nick Saban. I always like to fight against him, but I'm with you. I kind of agree with this. Nick Saban's kind of, in my opinion, he's got a good way he's going with this. No, Nick Saban should be, he is correct in the fact that playing all Power 5 teams would be the best way, in my opinion. It sucks for teams like in in the state of Utah, in which where we live, you know, Weber State, you know, teams like that. Even Utah State, Mount West Conference teams, you know, even Boise State, those teams, they don't get the big paydays. You know, Boise State might be the exception. It sucks for them. So, well, let's read some of the comments he said to ESPN. Let's start off right here. He said, we should play all teams in Power 5 conferences. If we did that, and if we were going to have bowl games, we should do bowl games just like we do in the NCAA basketball tournament. Not by record, but by some kind of power rating that gets you in a bowl game. If we did that, people would be less, a little less interested in maybe bowl games and more interested in expanding the playoff. This is where I don't like it, is the bowl game situation. Well, I think he's trying to put the cart before the horse here. I think he's saying that if we start playing better opponents exclusively, then we can expand the playoff. I think if you expand the playoff, teams are going to be more likely to make scheduling agreements with better opponents. Now I'm not I don't want to get rid of games with FBS opponents with with uh G five opponents. I want to play those games because there are some meaningful games that we can play there. If you're playing Boise State, if you're playing even BYU or 
<clears throat> Houston, those are good games. Plus, you know, it, it's okay to have a little bit lower of a game on your schedule, but these FCS, team, FCS teams, they they don't really add anything. I mean, occasionally you get North Dakota State where they're going to come in and give you a really good game. Or if you're Washington State, you're going to lose to Eastern Washington, I guess. <laughs> they haven't had a good record against FCS teams. But for the most part, FCS teams are not going to beat FBS teams, especially if you're in a Power 5 conference. Now, I like watching games where Central Michigan goes down and beats Oklahoma State. I like watching games where, um, you know, before before the Utes were in the Pac-12, where UCLA came in and we we kicked the crap out of them, you know? I like watching those games. I think those games have merit, but FCS games... Especially for an opener, it just doesn't hold anything for me. It doesn't get any excitement going. I mean, I'm excited because I get to watch football. But as far as the game itself, I'm not excited. I don't get excited for FCS games. I just don't. Well, and, and you know, we're not Alabama fans. You know, we've never been to an Alabama game. But I, it's hard for me to believe as a, as a fan to get excited. You know, you've played your... USC, you've played your Michigan, your your week one opponent, and you go into your SEC schedule, and then you, you've played some pretty good opponents, and then right before you play Auburn as an Alabama fan, right before you play Chattanooga. I just don't get that. And as an, as an Alabama fan, I can only imagine going into that game, you know, we, you know, we, you talk about Utah, North Dakota, Washington State, Portland State, Washington State, Eastern Washington... Those fans are probably so bored after the second quarter is over. Not even the second quarter, probably the first quarter. I can only imagine for an Alabama fan, they're probably bored somewhere around, you know. From kickoff. Yeah, I, I, think. Mean, I mean, you know that Alabama's going to beat Chattanooga and beat them soundly. It's not even going to be a question. What I like, I like what they do. That Give Alabama credit. They're going out in the first game of the season, and they're scheduling some big names. They're playing Florida State this year to start the game off, to start the season. And they're, they're scheduling tough opponents for the first game. And USC, they've, they've done that for a while. But they also don't play an FCS opponent. I, don't, I can't think of the last time... USC played an FCS opponent. Last year, USC, they played Alabama the first game, and then they went and played Fresno State, which, yeah, not a good G5 team, but at least it's better than Chattanooga or any other FCS team. And it was a fun game to watch. One of the things that I, I think is going undermerited when we're talking about this discussion Nick Saban is he says he wants to play a a longer league schedule. Us in the Pac-12, we understand that what that means, you know, and maybe even in the Big 12, we understand what that means. The SEC currently plays an eight-game conference schedule. They play eight teams in their in their conference. Now, they actually only have one of the, if not the largest conference when it comes to members in the SEC. I believe they have 14 teams. Correct. So you're not playing anybody, really. You're kind of playing, because you've got to play in your division, so you're really you're playing two games outside of your if not only one game outside of your division, where in, in the 10-game schedule he opens it up. Now, for a, it, what I personally feel like, the NCAA needs to step in, and this is one of those things, you know, we talk about the NCAA, and they don't know what they're doing, and all that things. But they need to step in and actually decide 
to make all the conferences play. They need to get the conferences together and play the same type of schedule. This is the things that we need to talk about, and this is kind of what I believe Nick Saban is meaning when he's talking about how playing a 10-game schedule. He wants SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 to play 10-game schedules, conference schedules. Now, I, I don't like the 10-game schedule. I'm just going to say I I think nine's good. I like the three non-conference games. It gives you a good chance to play some different teams, go outside, get to Texas, get to Florida, get into California and another area, and get some recruiting done. That gives you those opportunities to get in front of those recruits. Alabama doesn't need that. Alabama doesn't need that. They're Alabama. Everybody knows who Alabama is. Everybody knows what Alabama's about. But smaller group of, or smaller schools, smaller schools in the Power Five, they do need that. They need to get into Michigan and, and they need to get into Florida and Texas to play a game in front of those recruits down there. And the more opportunities they have to do that, the better, but I do. I think nine is the sweet spot. I think that's that's the sweet spot. You have three non-conference games uh, that you can schedule and get in front of different recruits, and then you have your nine conference games. Now, if the NCAA were to expand the season and allow a thirteenth game, if you're not, you know, even if you're not going to Hawaii, then I think ten conference games would be reasonable, but I, I don't see that happening in the near future. And, I, and I'd like to focus on something you said. You said something about how teams need to, you know, unlike Alabama, teams need to go out and they need to get in front of recruits. Now, Rutgers, they're terrible. Everybody can agree. Rutgers, they're terrible. I mean... Pretty good at basketball. You see that video of them dunking over each other on... Ba- on I mean, maybe they should... Unfortunately, the only videos I've been watching recently <laughs> about basketball is drive-by dunking, and we'll get into... The, you know, someday we'll get into that, but... Drive that's by ridi- dunking? It's ridiculous. You don't even want to get into it. It's <laughs> it's a point where they, they, they have a person in the passenger seat, and they, they're filming, and the person is driving down the street until they see a basketball hoop either, you know, a stand that's either just on in a carport or a just a standard or the backboard on the the garage or whatever, right? And then they slam on their brakes, they get out of the car, and they have a basketball and they run over and they dunk it. I don't understand the purpose. So they're literally drive by dunking, so like a you know. Well, they're getting out of the cars, but I mean, I I thought they were you know, like trying to find a hoop there and well, trying to dunk it while driving past. That would be actually Well, the one video I watched, the guy got out, right? He goes up, he drives, but he, he parks his car, he dunks, and when he dunks, he actually rips the standard off of the garage and totally damages the garage. <laughs> so he has to get back into it and get into the car, and they drive off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's... So, anyways, anyways, Rutgers. But Rutgers, right, back to basketball. No, not basketball, football, but Rutgers. They go to Washington last year. Quarterbacks come from Washington. Jake Browning, he's a Washington kid, right? You know, we, you know, us as us as people here in Utah, we like to make fun of Jake Heaps. But at the time, Jake Heaps, when he came out of Washington, five-star recruit. Those are the kids are trying to get in front of. Yeah, top one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, high school-wise. I mean, it didn't work out for him at any of the schools he went to. But I mean, he's in the league. He's throwing passes in camp at least. Right, and and you know from these we're not talking. You know, Alabama might be Alabama. I mean, if we could list the teams that don't need to go to different 
states to know, you know, to get people in front of them. We're talking Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Florida State, USC. Michigan, USC, Ohio State, Texas, Oklahoma. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So you got one to two teams a conference. So you've got 64 teams in the Power Five, but only eight, ten, maybe even twelve maximum that don't have to worry about going in front of you know. Even even UCLA kind of has to get out, and they you know if you look across theirs, they're getting a lot of kids out of different places: Texas, Utah, Nevada, Washington. You know they're traveling around the country. Um, USC's had to more because of the Alabama effect, but because of the fact that Alabama's been getting recruits from all across the country because of everything, you know. So it's even USC's kind of susceptible to that information. But Rutgers was a perfect example of somebody. I mean, Rutgers, New York City, they are traveling to the complete other side of the country, not only to play Washington, but like you said, recruiting. And this is the thing, and I and. Understandably, Nick Saban probably doesn't. I mean, maybe if he was sitting down with us talking about it right now, he would he would argue with us. But he may not understand the recruiting because he just calls a kid up and says, "Hey, you want to come to Alabama?" And it's a completely different story. He may have ten offers, but now Alabama offers him, and now all of a sudden, in two weeks, he's got sixty offers. So I don't know. And and another thing, the biggest thing I have problem with Nick Saban's comments is the bowl games. I personally. Growing up, I liked watching the Vegas Bowl. I liked watching the... I I watched the Potato Bowl between Utah State and Ohio the other day uh, on YouTube. I thought that was awesome. Like, I like the other... Bowl games are just so interesting to me, and I don't mind 6-6 six and six teams or five, even 5-7 five and seven teams playing bowl games because I guess I feel like I understand what the work goes into to get to these bowl games for these kids that don't get to play in national championships, playoff games, even high-level bowl but games. wouldn't it be more interesting if you were actually playing competition that's closer to your level? I mean, yeah, you could say that, but... I mean, so time, instead of saying, oh, okay, we're going to take the third-place Pac-12 team, and we're going to put them against the first-place Mountain West team, I mean, that... Those aren't fun games, and then you get you get a team that's got a record like nine and three playing a six and sixteen. Those are the bowl games that I think people last bowl season. You watch, I mean, how many of those bowl games last year were actually interesting? Not very many. That's Not, for sure. very, Not many. very many. I mean, the Rose Bowl was awesome. The Rose Bowl was great. Now, the national championship game was awesome. Right. But exactly. other than that, I mean, there there wasn't really a lot to hang your hat on there. I mean. So, I think if maybe we did get rid of that six-game, that six-win spot to get into a bowl game and base it off of a selection committee where, obviously, conference champions, they automatically make it, and then the selection committee goes through, my only fear is you're actually going to lose out, some of those G5 teams are actually going to lose out on the bowl money and the... those experiences for the players. But maybe if we did that, maybe the bowl season would be a little more interesting. I the last last year, the last few years actually, the bowl season hasn't really been all that impressive. So right now, I just like to take a moment and look at Alabama's schedule and then I want to compare it to somebody like USC. USC is actually extremely 
um, unique when it comes to scheduling football. They play a lot of the same teams year in and year out. Right, because they play Notre Dame every year. Right. So that that that's kind of like Utah, where Utah has to play BYU every year. That's basically losing one spot in your non-conference. Right. Exactly. So you, I mean, so at twelve games, you got ten. You got only two non Stanford. They play Notre Dame every year too. Right. So we're gonna look at Alabama's schedule real quick. So they open up September second, eight o'clock Eastern, ABC against Florida State. Big game, you know, I'm looking right now on ESPN, there's only, from what they're saying, there's only like a few handful of tickets left, and they're just selling like hotcakes, and then and they're the probably following really week, expensive, what is that, $539 right. so for I one mean, ticket? They're obviously selling well, for, and that's just the, um, they're opening up in the new, um, the new stadium the Atlanta Falcons are playing in, um, so that's, that's going to be the first game that the, uh, is going to hold a football game there, so... And then their second game, they're going to go and play Fresno State. Ow. Well, Fresno, yeah, Fresno's coming to them. They're not going out there. Right. They're playing They're playing Fresno State at home and then Colorado State at home. See, this is where I think Alabama could really put their money where their mouth is and maybe try and travel outside of the South to play, to play somebody. You're playing Florida State, okay? You're even playing in them Georgia. in Georgia. That's right in your backyard. Come on. And then you bring in Florida. I don't expect you to go travel to Fresno State or Colorado State. You're obviously not going to do that. But maybe you could go and instead of doing a neutral site game with USC, you could maybe do a home and home with them. That way we'd get you'd get in front of those southern. I know you don't think you need recruits from Southern California, or that you don't need to get in front of those recruits. But I. Th- you, maybe, I mean, your recruiting's already awesome, but maybe you could even step it up just a little bit more, Nick Saban. But get out, get outside your comfort zone. I know it's hard to do that because of the selection committee for the year in contention with the playoffs every year. So it's hard to want to do that. But I think, I think that would make a strong statement. All right. So after Fresno State, and I agree with you. You're home and home with USC. Get out of Alabama. Get out of the South. I mean, when's the last time Alabama went west of the Mississippi? I can't. I don't even know. I mean, and a couple of years ago when Michigan came out west and played Utah, the la- that was the first time they'd ever gone west of the Mississippi. That was the first time they'd also ever played on a Thursday night, and, and excluding bowl games. And that's kind of you know that's the, you know these blue bloods they kind of dictate what's going on and. And I agree with you. They should put, you know, Nick Saban and now their coaches and have his caliber and teams of their caliber should put their money where their mouth is. So you got Florida State, it's a neutral site game. Then you've got home against Fresno State, home against Colorado State. Then at Vanderbilt, you know. Well, that's a league game. There's not really anything game. they can do about that. Right. And then home versus Ole Miss at Texas A&M, home Arkansas, home Tennessee, home LSU at Mississippi State. And then here we go, November 18th is what we're talking about. Right before the Iron Bowl, right before they play at Auburn, they're playing Mercer. 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 I honestly did not even know Mercer had a football team. I knew they had a basketball team because I believe they beat Duke a few years ago, but I did not even know they had a football team. So now they got Mercer. Right before the Iron Well, who does Auburn have right before the Iron Bowl? Let's see here. Auburn, right before the Iron Bowl, has... I mean, it's basically a bye game. I mean... 
Right. I mean, I don't blame them for scheduling that. You want to win the Iron Bowl, but, I mean, come on. They've University got... of Louisiana Monroe, so not much better than Mercer. Um, and so, let's now, let's go back, and like we said, we're going to compare that kind of the USC schedule. So, USC, first game, they are home versus Western Michigan. Western Michigan, at one point, was ranked in the top 15 a couple years ago. They're not bad. They're not. They're not they're a not, bad G five team. They're, they're a G five team, right? They're not world beaters, but they're pretty good. I expect SC to win that game and win it mm-hmm. by a large margin, right? And but I think it'll be a better game than Alabama versus Mercer. Oh yeah, for sure. And then so then right after that, they're in the conference. Right after that, they go to Stanford, or Stanford comes to them. Stanford USC, which personally I'm looking forward to that game. Then you got Texas. Oh, they open with three straight home games. Oh, they're playing Texas. That should be a really good game, yep. I think. So Texas, see, Texas is that big time team, Big Twelve, and they're actually coming west. They're not sitting in Texas and only playing in the east and the southeast. They're coming all the way up to California. So then USC goes at Cal, at Washington State, Oregon State comes then to USC, Utah goes USC, and then USC then goes to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So if we're going to look at Power 5 teams, USC's got 12 games here, right? And they have one game. That's not a Power 5 game. One. 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 Yep, and Nick Saban's got three. Right. And Mercer, Colorado State, and uh, Fresno State. And as a Pac-12 fan, it's kind of annoying when you hear the joke about USC is, when they're in the top five, when they're ranked number one overall, they always falter. When they have expectations, they never meet them. When they have none, ex- no expectations, they always exceed them. And that's the thing with USC. But the same thing, USC, they play a tough schedule. Western Michigan, no slouch. Stanford, that's a conference game. If they lose to Stanford and lose to Texas, they're they're down there. You know, Cal's no slouch. Washington State's going to throw the ball all around, you know. Oregon State, they're getting better. They're getting better. Utah, it's October, so Utah hasn't started their down their downtrod yet. Right, we have a chance in that game. It's not November yet. Right. So then you got Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they with Chip Kelly, you don't know. Or not Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly, you don't know. Brian Kelly could have him be really good, be in the national championship. Or go 4-8. Or, or go 4-8, right. And then Arizona, Arizona State. You know, going at Arizona State, then home to Arizona. Arizona could be a lot better this year. Arizona State's going to be a lot better this year. Colorado, we're not sure about them. And then UCLA, the battle, you know, battle for Los Angeles. That's that's a tough schedule. That is a tough schedule. That, I mean, that, that's that got to be equal to Alabama, but I guarantee you when it comes down to it, they're going to say, well, who's USC played? Exactly. Well, and then you've also got, so I'm going to, go here. So now we're going to go look at something similar. So another conference opponent of USC. We're going to go look at Oregon State here. Oregon State opens up at Colorado State. So they share an opponent with Alabama. So they're getting out of their comfort zone. They're getting off the... They're going into the mountains to play at altitude against Colorado State. Right. Exactly. And then they come home versus Portland State. Now, as us Pac-12 fans know, Portland State, you know, they come in, they beat a Pac-12 team, it seems like, every year. Is Oregon State going to be this year's uh, Portland State victim? They may be. And then, they have a home-and-home. They went at Minnesota last year, now they got Minnesota at home this year. Big Ten team, 
right? Big Ten team coming all the way up from Minnesota all the way out to Oregon. I like that. I like that. And then you got Washington State, Washington, USC, Colorado, Stanford, Cal, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon. Similar to USC, you have one, two. You have two non-P5 teams. Yeah, and one of them, one of them's an FCS, but you know, right? So I think what we're getting at is we we want. <laughs> We like what Nick Saban's saying, but we want him to put his money where his mouth is. You know, Nick Saban, you don't have to schedule an FCS team third week in November every year. You don't have to schedule two Mountain West Conference teams every year. You could go to the West Coast. You could go up to Ohio State. I guarantee you, if Alabama called Ohio State and said, Hey, we want a home-and-home. Ohio State would say, okay. Yeah, but we all know Nick Saban, he's afraid of Urban Meyer. That's right. So he's not going to do that. <laughs> and he's not going to call Michigan anymore either because him and Jim Harbaugh are fighting like little, you know, high school, <laughs> school girls. So That's still going that. on. Yeah, it's still going on. But the Satellite thing, camps. Right, exactly. Satellite camps. Big issue. Um, you know, right now, real quick, last couple minutes of the segment, we're going to talk about a dream schedule for Alabama. We're going to put... We are going to make the schedule for Nick Saban. We're going to keep Florida State. We're going to keep the, all the SEC games. So this is our dream schedule. All right. So, okay, Fresno well, State. I think, well, you know, he wants to play more conference games. So let's add an extra conference game in there. So let's put, do they play Florida this year? Nope. Well, let's put Florida right all there. Right, okay, so second week of the season, Alabama's playing Florida. All right, so they play Florida State, Florida. All Florida right. State, Florida. All that, right. that sounds great. So then Colorado State, how about just adding Colorado? There you go. That's a Power 5 team. Uh, you know what? You can even South have that year. one at home. You well, can even have that one at home. At Alabama? Yep. All right, so November 18th, right before the Iron Bowl, We've already got our ten conference games slotted. We've already got. Well, I, I say we gonna... put. You know, you don't. You don't want to play non-conference that late in this season. So I say that's where we put Florida. So the second right. game of the season, let's put somebody there. So we let's let's get him outside, man. Let's get him outside the South. Let's get him outside the Southeast. Let's put him somewhere. But you know, he's already got Colorado coming in. About right. going to Texas Tech. Texas Tech. You know, that's a team I would love to see Alabama play because that's a team that is going to beat Alabama because Alabama is that traditional, we're going to play a 4-3, cover 2 defense, and we're going to bend, not break, and we're just going to fly around, right? Texas Tech's going to say, you play your 4-3 defense, we're going to line up five wide receivers, and we're going to run down the field, and the ball's going to be out two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. You, we're just going to be out the quarter, you know, running backs, wide receivers, and it's just going to fly around. And a lot of times, when Oklahoma defeated Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, what did they do? They just threw the ball all across the yard. And I would love to see Texas Tech, but do you think Nick Saban really wants to go play? See, see Nick, Nick, that's what we're saying. Go to Texas. Go to Texas, play Texas Tech. Play a team out of your, not only out of the go, West, but out of your comfort zone. Play around. Nebraska, Wisconsin. Um, heck, oh. even Northwestern. Just get... Get out of the South, man. Or even just the Southeast. Stay in Texas, that's fine. You know, Texas, it's South, kind of. It's different kind of South, but, I mean, get out of your region and play somebody. Play somebody that that's going to give you a, a test. 
and really see what your team is before you get into into conference play. I agree. All right, Nick Saban. We took your we took your advice and we gave you a schedule if you want it. We we'll, we'll, we'll wait. Couple we'll give you a couple years. We understand you got games scheduled, but you have until 2020 to change it. And you've got enough money to back out. So we've called you out. Yeah, we'll we'll set your schedule out for you. Oh yeah, you give us a call, we'll set your schedule. All right, thank you for joining the Read Option podcast. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 Media Days. Um, and thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. Option. Thank you for joining us again. Um, so, like we said, and Dave, we're, we're, David, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 Media Days. So we're coming back. You know, we talked about how this this read option podcast. We, you know, we're a, we're in the Pac-12. We like to talk about Pac-12 football. We love Pac-12 football. It's our Pac-12 after dark. Oh, we love Pac-12 after dark. There's nothing better than staying up till two o'clock in the morning watching Oregon State totally try to take out Cal when it's 45-44 and it's just the craziest things have Pac-12 After Dark. If you don't great know games. what it is, get on your Twitter machine, hashtag Pac-12 After Dark. Great, great follow. It's awesome. You guys should do that. But we're a Pac-12 focused podcast. We're going to talk about Pac-12 football. We love the Pac-12. You know. So right now we're going to take that opportunity. We've talked the national headlines. we talked Nick Saban. We're going to come back in. We're going to talk about some Pac-12 media days. So first things first, everybody knows media days come and gone. They did their weird donut thing. And the hamburger thing the hamburger thing i don't even understand the donut thing at all and i looked at another picture earlier today and it was just like the same donut in a single file and oregon's had like fruit loops on it and i was like that's definitely oregon because they are a bunch of fruit loops (laughs) up there in eugene and you know we love you up there we're coming to see you this year we, we will be there october 28th we will be there so, you know, we'll see you. If you guys want to talk to us, we'll set something up on Twitter. We'll see you guys up there. But uh, right now, uh, Oregon, you're weirding me out with them Fruit Loops. But, yeah, and then, like, if you look at Oregon State, it looked like a burnt donut. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. It was... Utah's didn't look too appetizing either. Utah's didn't look... Utah's look gross. Pretty much all of them look gross. Arizona's was like this, you like... Know, Arizona's was this blue disc. It wasn't even me. a hole. I'm a classic guy. I love the classics. Just give me a glazed donut, maybe a chocolate donut with some sprinkles on it. I don't need to get very fancy with my donuts. Donuts are donuts. I just... The basics are good. See, in my in my feeling, and you know, some of you Pac-12 fans maybe don't know. I know Utah fans will think this. And personally, Utah shouldn't have done a donut. They should have done a cupcake that looked was in Michigan colors. That would have <laughs> been my favorite thing. Say, so, you know what, Michigan, <laughs> we call you out. You come out here, you call us cupcakes, and we took it to you. And here's another shot. <laughs> but you know, they did this thing, and then they then they had the student athletes and the coaches. They did this like weird flubber thing. I don't even know. Pac-12 media day is a circus to me. They're weird. I don't. I don't really understand a lot of what goes on at media days. I mean, I like the coaches' interviews. I like listening to the players talk. 
But a lot of the side stuff, like the donuts and the burgers, I mean... Uh, Let's take a second to talk about those burgers. Whoever did Utah's burger... A double burger? Come on, needs guys. Needs to be fired. Have you ever been to Utah? Have you gone to Crown Burger? As as we've, as we've seen the Utah fans gripe on Twitter, and I don't know about the other Pac-12 fans, why don't you tweet us, you know, at Real, at Real, Real Option Podcast, Read Option Podcast, uh, tweet us, let us know what you think about your, your team's burgers. But us here in, in Utah, we do not like the Utah's burger. It was a double burger. I mean, that's boring, and we're... I don't know. Maybe you guys think Utah's a boring place. Well, I don't, we know the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, yeah. the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> they think Utah's a bo- uh, boring place, but you know, it, it's a good place, great place. And see, the, well, if we you're talking, ever here, go to Crown Burger. Get a Crown Burger with me on it. It's great. David and I had this discussion off the air, and we discussed Utah's famous for funeral potatoes and pastrami. Mm. So we're talking bun. Patty. Now, if you guys don't know what funeral potatoes are, it's kind of a cultural thing here. Uh, but it's basically potatoes au gratin. It's potatoes chopped up. You got cream of chicken soup, sour cream mixed in, some mm-hmm. cheese on top, and crumbled up uh, cornflakes. Corn flakes. That, corn flakes. That's the word. Get a little bit crisp in there. Get a nice little toast on that. It's delicious. And if if you don't know what that is... You know what, Oregon, we're coming to you. We'll bring some potatoes. We'll bring some funeral potatoes. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Just tweet us. Um, hey, but what we're saying is, is bun, patty. Big patty, too. Big patty. It's got to be big. And then funeral potatoes, a second patty, pastrami, then mm. some caramelized onions on top, and then top that off, which is the other bun. Good to go. That's a burger. See, that's... Okay, that's what we're talking that's about. That's what we're talking about. So that's the media days. They don't. They do some weird things on the sides. We're just. But I mean, let's get into the raw meat of it. Huh. So the media, well, raw meat, right? But the Paxil media days, the media votes. You know, we got our guy, our guy, Bill Riley. We know, we know you're the one that voted Utah first place. Yeah, there you are, Bill. We know, Bill. We know. But <laughs> our guy, Carlson Hunter, Bill Riley. We know. So the media gets. They pull up. You know, they all take their votes, and they vote the North-South Division, the winners, and then the Pac-12 champion. So I'm going to break it down with you. David and I, we're going to break it down. So we're going to start with the North Division. So obviously, you've got Washington. Washington gets 49 first-place votes, with a total of 309 points. They're, they're voted first, followed by Stanford, then Washington State, and Oregon. All, th- all three of those teams, they receive first-place votes. Then you got Oregon State and Cal. No, I... You know, I don't, I don't disagree with this. Uh, you know, Washington, their top dog, until somebody proves otherwise. But I don't think Stanford's that far behind them. And Washington State, I, I just never know what to think about them. But third's probably okay. Oregon, hmm, yeah, probably. I think the biggest question mark here is Cal. I think what can they do with their new head coach? Which was Just kind of Cox. weird yeah. and crazy that they got rid of Sonny Dykes. But, well, the timing of it, I think, was the more weird part. But what can they do with their new head coach and their new offensive coordinator, um, who was the head coach at Eastern Washington last year? Uh, what can they do? I think that's going to be the big question mark. Now, will they finish last in the division? Mm. Probably. But I, I, 
I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see them get an upset over Oregon or Washington State. Because yeah. Washington State, I just I just never know with Mike Leach. You just never know. Yeah, Mike Leach, you know, Mike Leach is our guy. We, we love, love, our, we we love, love Mike him. Leach. Mike Leach, we love you. But I'm, I'm kind of with you. And this is, this. however, this is, this is going to sound weird to everybody out there. Washington scares me. I don't think they're... I honestly, I have no idea. They did lose a lot on defense. They lost a lot of defensive players. um, And they lost some good offensive weapons. So, right, they're losing a lot. But I know, I understand that they've got a lot coming back. I mean, Jake Browning. Jake Browning is good. He's, he's, He's a good guy. I mean, we watched when he came to Utah... I, I think one of the underrated aspects of his game is the running part of his game. Yeah, his mobility his is His mobility amazing. is just to avoid the sack and, and roll out of the pocket, it's great. It's a He is a great quarterback, and there's just no there's no way around that. He's a great quarterback. My thing with Washington is, is like you said, Stanford's not far behind him. If you, if you looked at Stanford's game at Washington last year, I think people would disagree with you. I think because Washington walked all over Stanford last year, they just destroyed them. However, this year they go at Stanford. Yeah, that's not happening again. I mean, I think Washington probably wins that game, but it it's just not it's not a get a given thing. It's not for sure. Stanford's going to be much better prepared. Well, I mean, David Shaw, he he's a fantastic coach and he does not he does not let it slip by him very much. Right. And, I mean, how many times has David Shaw been blown out in a game? Not a lot. I can only think of Washington off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, and it's, it's at Stanford in November. So that's, you know, if Washington goes in there... They could be dinged up. That, and, right. If yeah. They, but Stanford, they could, they could be Stanford of old. They could be last year's Stanford. Who knows? But Washington scares me the fact that they have a lot of road games that they had teams that were really good last year that were at home, and it's tough to win up in Washington. Mm. But Washington is susceptible on the road. Not only that, but Chris Peterson, anytime he's ever lost when he was at Boise State, was on the road. He never lost a home. He's a home team they champion. They lost TCU once at home. It's, who knows? They they I'll tell you, they win at home a lot. I mean, Boise State, they win at home. Chris Peterson came up here. He brought, brought up to... Washington the same mentality. You win at home, you protect your place, you know. But I just Washington scares me. I just if I were to re-slot my personal picks in 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 the uh, North Division, I'm putting honestly. This is going to surprise people. I think this is Washington State's year. I think this is the year. I think Luke Falk being really? a senior. I think he can throw the ball around. I think huh. Washington State's defense is he, vastly improved. He's going to put up. Records that nobody's oh, ever going to break. Yeah, for most he, passes he, thrown, he could throw fifty five hundred yards this year, no problem. Easy, easy. And I can't think of a single secondary in the Pac twelve, especially in the North Division, that could stop it. Washington lost almost every single person they had in the secretary secondary. So how is Washington going to be Washington State? That's my question. And then Stanford, same thing. They lost most of their defense specs. So I'm looking at Washington State, Oregon's defense. I don't think they're that good. Oregon's Oregon State. De- well, I mean, they're not going to. They're not going to become 
great overnight. I know they got a great defensive coordinator from uh, Colorado, and he's going to turn things around there. I know he is, but you actually have to have the defensive talent, and I don't think it's there in Well, Oregon it took him yet. three years to build it in Colorado. Right. And so, you know, even with the talent that Oregon can recruit, I don't know about Willie Taggart, we'll see. You know, I think, and I think a lot of things that Oregon had the last few years was, was the Chip Kelly effect. I think they were still recruit. I, you know, I'd be interested to see Oregon's recruiting, but I, my personal picks, I pick Washington State to win the North Division. So, um, and they've got them picked third. That's a that you know that's I can get with that. I could see I can see any of those top three really winning it. I think Washington State's got the lowest chance of doing it, but I think if things go right, they catch some teams in the right spot. Uh, Sure, why not? Just as likely as anybody else. I, I don't. I'm with you. I think Washington isn't as much of a shoe in as they were last year. I think we went into last year really thinking that they were they were the team to beat, and they proved to be the team to beat. We thought Stanford would probably give them a better game than they did. We were really surprised that USC went up there and went up there and kicked the crap out of them like they did there, but. I think this year Washington not quite as good as they were last year. I I just think that's the way it is, especially defensively. They'll they'll be the same offensively, uh, and they may even be a little bit better. I think Jake Browning will be a little bit more polished. I mean, he was really efficient last year. Yeah, but he could have been a much more efficient in, at times, and I, and he had ups and downs that were a little abnormal for a, a Chris Peterson quarterback. So. I think he'll be a much more polished quarterback. I just don't know what they have offensively for weapons right now. Um, we'll get more into that when we start doing some camp breakdowns and things of that nature. But per currently, I really think Washington State is going to be the number one in the North <laughs> Division at the end. When it all comes said and done, I think you'll see Washington State in the Pac-12 title game. I think, I think it'll be the Apple Cup for the champion for the for the North. I think it'll be Washington State versus Washington. I think it will come down to that. Whoever wins the Apple Cup. Is the winner who who where's it at? Where's the Apple Cup at? Let's see. Apple Cup is in Washington this year. Ah, it's at Washington. See, here you go. I think it's going to be Washington. I think they're going to get that. I think they're going to get the Apple Cup. It's at Washington. I think they're. I I think it's theirs. But who knows? I, it'll be a good game. That's definitely a game I'm going to be. I'm going to be trying to. Watch. All right, read option listeners. Uh, that's what you already got it. So, so Will's Washington State, David's Washington. So whatever happens, you let us know. You give us crap. Whoever's right, whoever's wrong. We you know we want lots of fan interaction. So let's go. Let's jump over to the South Division. South Division was, you know, pretty much, you know, chalk from what people, you know, pretty much, you know, going into Pac-12 media days. I'm sure you could have guessed. This is how it's going to be. Well, you know, when I first heard that Utah was picked second, I went, really? Because, you know, Vegas has their over-under at, like, five and a half wins, and everybody's like, oh, I don't know, Utah's going to have to win this game or that game to get to get bowl eligible. Then I thought, wow, who are you going to put above them? Really? I mean, there's USC, and then there's everybody else in the South Division. It really is. Now, I, I think... I think, yeah, this basically maybe Colorado above UCLA. I just, I don't like Jim Mora. But then again, Colorado 
lost a lot. They lost a lot on defense, especially. They lost some big offensive weapons, but they their quarterback, Seth Olufau, he's gone. But the their backup from last year, uh, his name escapes me, but he he was pretty good. Yeah, so. He took it to Oregon last year. Yeah, he did. Seth Olufau was completely out of that game. But you know, let's go. We'll break it down. Number one, USC. I don't think anybody's questioning that. No, not at all. I mean, Sam Darnold, he's a great quarterback. It's USC. They're loaded with talent. Clay Helton had him going lights out at the end of last year. I just, I don't, I don't see, I think that's it. USC, that's, that's number one until. All Clayton Helton has to do, though, Clay Helton has to just keep him on, on course. They just, he just can't let him veer off like they do. This is the this is the year. This is the outside Pac-12. What we were talking about earlier with Nick Saban. This is what everybody says. USC, they're picked high. They're picked number one. They're they're probably going to be in the top five when the top twenty-five comes out. Almost guaranteed. Are they going to yeah. be a good team though, or are they going to falter to their expectations like they always seem to do at least the last ten, fifteen years? Well, I I Pretty think much since Pete Carroll left, right? I think I think that was a product of their head coaches, I mean, come on, Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, not, not the best choices, I mean, even based on their body of work, I mean, I guess Sark wasn't bad at Washington, but he wasn't USC good. From what Chris Peterson has done in two or three years, from what Sarkeesian was, Sarkeesian had that place loaded with talent. It's a coaching issue. And couldn't win, yeah. And then he goes to USC and has almost the exact same record that he had at Washington with arguably better talent. Much better talent. And then the one game Sarkeesian coordinated for Alabama, the national championship, what happened? They lost. Exactly. Sarkeesian, that was on you. Well, I don't really... I mean, they scored some points. I mean, but now, was dang good. Now, Sarkeesian, somehow, okay, somehow Steve Sarkeesian has worked himself from getting fired for public drunkenness at USC and other things to now the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. I don't, hey. I'm, hey, the dude knows what he's doing. He's a good coordinator. He was a great coordinator at SC before with uh, Pete Carroll. He, was, he does a great job at that. I think he'll do a good job there. I mean, heck, everybody deserves a second chance, right? <laughs> a third and a fourth. A third or a fourth or a fifth. Whatever. But um, So right there, USC 1, Utah 2, UCLA 3, Colorado 4, Arizona State 5, Arizona 6. Yeah, I'm with you. I think... I just don't think UCLA is that good. UCLA is like the opposite of USC. UCLA is always picked finish high. USC, they actually pick correctly a lot of times. You know, USC will start a couple weeks, they'll do bad, and then they'll they'll work their way back up. And then oh, yeah. last year was a perfect example. That's the thing. They do. They some a lot of their losses are in the non-conference. You know, early so, part of the season for yeah. sure. UCLA, <laughs> who do they have besides Josh Rosen? Name one. Yeah, I, who is that receiver? Ishmael Adams? Is he gone? Um, yeah, he should be. Huh. So you've got Josh Rosen, who, and who, in my opinion, is extremely overrated. Well, he definitely was last year. Last year he wasn't. But, I mean, when he came to Utah the year before, he definitely picked his part. Well, and then, you know, he had a good year his freshman year. Sophomore slump. We'll see what he can do as a junior. I just don't put them at three because... I mean, they lost their best defender, and 
But I mean, Colorado. They, I mean, who's he going to put above him? Colorado. Yeah. Because Colorado, they lost a lot. They lost their defensive coordinator, who was really a a key part of what went on last year. McIntyre, he's had some controversy this off season. He, he might not be completely able to focus on on what's going on. I I don't I don't know. I, I don't. I, my thing with UCLA and Colorado when they're three four switch is because you've got uh, Dennis Lindsay, the, their uh, I believe that's what his name is. is they're running back. I think you're getting that confused with, with the Utah, Utah Jazz, Jazz defensive or not defensive general manager. But they they've got their their Lindsay, their running back, right? Right. And then they've got their proven quarterback backup that now is going to be their starter that it, he could throw the ball around. Their wide receivers, they're pretty much all back from last year. Their offense is great. Their offense is great. I don't know great. what offense, I, and the thing is, is the UCLA, I don't know what they bring to the table on offense. I don't know what they bring to the table on defense. I don't even know what they bring to the table on special teams. Yeah. So. That's true. They, all I know that is they, they bring is Josh Rosen, and let's be honest, Texas A&M, a really bad defense, destroyed him. They yeah. only allowed 20-ish points to him. So, I mean, I really don't think Josh Rosen is that good. Um, well, he could totally prove me wrong, and I'm totally okay for him to do that. I would love him for him to do that. I just don't think so. So, you know, if I'm repicking this, that's the only thing I switch. And I think Arizona could be significantly better. It but I be. still think they're sick. There's just some being bad football better. going down in the state of Arizona. Between Arizona and Arizona State, they're just not good. See, and I think Todd Graham, this could be his last year. Oh, definitely. If he doesn't get things going down there. Well, I think they're both on the hot seat. Todd Graham and Rodriguez. I mean, Rich Rod, man, you, you got to step it up. He had those great years at West Virginia. But other than that, you had one good year in Arizona and meh. Right. He's just kind of falling down. And my thing with Todd Graham is he's so obsessed with maintaining that blitz. That blitz he, he, every, every down. Play, blitz every play. A lot of the times, if you go back and watch a lot of their losses, they you got know, beat on the blitz. They got beat on the blitz because in the right. first year when Todd Graham came in, he was big time, you know, the blitz, getting a lot of pressure. It's the same thing, you know, if this is football, this is how things work. Todd Graham, same thing that happened to you at Pittsburgh. You're great at Pittsburgh your first year, maybe two, and then everything started falling down because people know, oh, Todd Graham blitzed. Okay, all right, hey, is this Arizona State this week? All right, let's get some screens in there. Let's get our blitz beaters. We're going to get blitz. And he's not hiding where he's blitzing from. I mean, he's showing the blitz all day. I mean, the quarterbacks, a good quarterback will say, oh, you're blitzing from there? Well, guess where I'm throwing the ball? Right. And so Todd Graham, I, I just don't think, I think he's fired at the end of the year. And, and if, if Rich Rod, Rich Rod, if he makes a bowl game, 6-6, six and six, if he makes a bowl game, he'll stay for one more year. But if he goes 6-6 six and six next year, he's gone. Arizona's getting a little impatient. Well, yeah, Arizona, they've always been a basketball school. They're always, they're, they're a little apathetic as long as you're, decent in football i mean they kept the stoops guy for a while he wasn't any he wasn't great so. yeah he'd have a couple six and six seasons then have an eight and four and then, yeah. and then back down I think to he went and 11 six. and two one or something like that with so. the bowl game yeah. yeah i mean so he was you know but i just really think 
South Division, USC, Utah, UCLA, Colorado. I, I move Colorado up to UCLA, you know, up to three. And then I just, I don't see USC currently as things stand. If Sam Darnold plays anything to what he played last year, they're going to win the conference. Absolutely. Easy. And so the Pac-12 championship has been voted by media to be USC. They think they're going to be the Pac-12 champion, which entails most of the time, you know, unless you have some weird thing going on, that they'll also be in the playoff. I would love to see USC in the playoff. They're a late-season team. Last year against Penn State in the Rose Bowl, you know, they showed that. They're, you know, and they scored like some seventeen unanswered points in in the Rose Bowl to win the game last right. year. Right, but they don't have their kicker from last year. All right, so the kicker's gone, but they still have Ronald Ronald Jones. They still have Sam Darnold. Um, they don't have Stevie Two Golovatu, but they're going to re- they're going to replace him with somebody that's pretty good. I don't think they'll be Stevie T good. Porter Gustin has put on a significant amount of weight, and he'll be a guy force. looks like a Greek god. He will have be a force this oh, year. Man. So I, you know, I'm looking at that USCD, and you got Cameron Smith still, who I still in my dreams see him catching three interceptions and you're running back with pick yeah, sixes. Yeah, what's up with that? I, you know, how come you haven't picked up one more pass your entire career, Cameron Smith? You make me have nightmares, my friend. It's, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, Cameron Smith, great linebacker. I mean, the only pe- person I could think of that they lost on defense was Adoree Jackson. Yeah. And, and to me, he would be a, a would have been a better nickel than, a, than an actual outside corner. So but it's he not was really their much of a loss. Corner. Right. But they, they that's because they had young freshmen. Mm-hmm. The, that defense could be top five, top ten easy this year with a top ten offense. It's just USC that they're loaded with talent. I just don't see them this year. I I think they break the curse this year. I think they I think they fall through. Do so you think they make the the playoff? I do. Yeah, I think so too. I think USC. I think maybe one loss, maybe. I don't know where that one loss comes. Hopefully to Utah, but I don't know. I don't I don't see it. I really don't see. I don't see Utah beating them. I don't see Washington beating them. I mean, I don't see Notre Dame beating them. Well, we can go back to their schedule. Uh, we had it pulled up, and we know that they start with um, that Western Michigan. You know, that's a win. Yeah. Uh, Stanford Texas. at home. That's a win. Stanford's a win. Texas. Tom Herman. I don't know. That's three. That's, that's going to be weeks, a tough one. Camp. You know. Texas has talent. They they have the talent. Charlie Strong just couldn't get it to get put together. Charlie Strong is like the uh, the old Michigan coach before Jim Harbaugh. Great recruiter. Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke. He's like the Brady Hoke. You know Charlie Strong. He great recruiter. Fantastic recruiter. Couldn't get it done on the field. I mean that's you know eighty percent of coaching is in college football is recruiting. But the other twenty percent is actually getting to you know go on the field. Well, you can lose with twenty percent. You know. Right. So, Texas, I, I I don't know. We'll have to see. But and that's the thing. Tom Herman is a developer. It's a it's a home game, so I would have to give the edge there to USC. A small edge. Right now, I'm saying that's a close game. Late fourth quarter, USC wins at home. Only because they're at home. And then, they get a break to me going to Cal. Absolutely. It, it's it's still in the state of I, California. I mean, easy, yeah, it's easy quite one. a few hours, but it's Cal... 
I don't even know who Cal's quarterback is this year. Cal, and you know, they they could. Justin Wilcox could bring things up, but at the same time, they could just be bad. But it's USC. You know, things will will pan out. Washington State at Washington State in the Palouse. Ooh, that Coleman. might be the one loss. That's that, the one that could be that could give them some trouble right there. That's the one that scares me the most, just because like we've talked about with Washington State, they could throw the ball around a lot. And those young corners, they'll give, they're going to get tested. That young, that defense. But that's also the game that Port Augustine might have to have the biggest effect on. If he doesn't, if he does not have three sacks in that game, and if they do not get ten, two, at least two turnovers and have a, a plus two margin, they will lose that game. That, that's going to be a, def, a definitely a difficult game. Oh uh, yeah, Mike Leach will have something prepared for USC for right. sure. And then they're home. To Oregon State. Easy win. Easy win. We love Gary Anderson down here. We love you. You're not going to beat USC this year. You're going to be improved. You could honestly win the Civil War this year. Not You're not going to beat USC. Right. Utah, at, you know, at home against Utah, just... Utah never beats USC in USC. No, so not it's, in the Coliseum. It's, a loss. it's in the Coliseum. You know, Utah's, Utah's going to lose that game. As, as you guys have figured, maybe you figured out, here at the Read Option Podcast, you know we're both Utah fans. You know, born and raised here in Utah. We try to, you know, we try to focus on the Pac-12. Obviously, we sh- we're we still show a little bit of love However, for our Utes. For you USC fans, Port Augustine went to high school not five minutes away from here. So we're yep, cur- currently, currently true, very true. You know, we love the Salem Hills. So, but yeah, Utah going in to USC unless Utah. I'm not even going to say it. Utah's not winning that game. No, Utah's not winning that game. You know what? Kyle Whittingham. Love you, man. We love you. No, not going to happen. No. Not going to happen. At Notre Dame. At Notre that Dame. That kind of depends who Brian Kelly I just don't see it. Year. Their defense is, was horrible last year. Their defense was horrible. They have... don't they, they lost both their quarterbacks from last year, right? Right, correct. So, yeah, I don't see I don't see that. I don't see it. So that's a win. So right now, we have one loss. Maybe. Maybe. A, Mo- may- a maybe loss. A, a above 50% loss. We'll give it to them. So Arizona State, that's a win. I don't care if it's at Arizona State. No, that that's a win. They, Arizona State doesn't have Jalen Strong catching Hail Marys. So <laughs> it's, it's a win for USC. At home versus Arizona. Rich Rod's given up by then, probably. Probably. So... Arizona's going to lose that game, so USC wins again. At Colorado. Man. Eh, I, I don't see it. I don't see I don't it either. See it. Sorry, Colorado. And but. then home versus UCLA. Everybody that's been listening to this episode knows I'm not a Josh Rosen fan. Uh-huh. And Jim Mora Jr., man. He might be on the hot seat, too. I mean, at the end of Oh, this yeah. Year, definitely. At the end I, of this year, we might have... A new head coach at Arizona, a new head coach at Arizona State, and a new head coach at UCLA. I want Jim Moore to channel his dad. Playoffs? <laughs> Playoffs? So, um, yeah, USC, I'm looking at it. They're, they're going 11-1, and 12-1. And, you know, they could go undefeated. I don't see it. I see that loss. Uh, I Washington think they State. lose somewhere. I think it's probably Washington State. But... Man, they they could run the table, but easily. I, I, even if they get through this schedule with one loss, 
they're I, in the playoffs. They're in, I think they're in the playoffs. Right. And then if they if their one loss is Washington State and then they play Washington State in the Pac-12 title game and, then they, and they get redemption, oh, yeah. they're definitely in the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So our consensus opinion, USC, congratulations, you're going to win the conference. That's what we pick. So, you know, Pac-12 Media Days, that was the big thing. Besides donuts and burgers, they really just talked about the North and South Division. You know, we kind of agree. We'll, we agree with the the way that they've kind of listed the South. North, we're not so sure. We don't necessarily agree with that. We can see a little bit. I think the South Division, everybody's been saying recently that the South Division is a very competitive division. I agree. I don't think it I is don't this, year. this year. I don't think this year. I think it's USC's and USC's alone. I'm the only person, the only team, the only team, I could, maybe two, that I could see challenging USC, and I don't even think they're going to, is Utah and Colorado. Yep. Not UCLA. I don't. They're not third place. Definitely not. I think when Utah plays Colorado at the end of the season at Utah, I think that's for second place in the South. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and then, so North Division. I think you guys are going to be a competitive one this year. So, all right. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, something for Utah fans. We're going to talk about um, and it's kind of another Pac-12 story. We're going to talk about the controversial transfer of Darren Carrington from. Oregon to the University of Utah, um, where we think he could be uh, pretty competitive and change a lot of things. So when we come back, we'll talk about that. Welcome back to the Read Option Podcast. Here in our, our last little segment here, we're going to talk about Darren Carrington transferring from the University of Oregon to the University of Utah and everything that kind of goes on with that. If you guys don't know, Darren Carrington, he's been in some trouble up in Eugene. He's He's gotten suspended for a uh, failed drug failed test, test in the championship in the year they went to the after they beat Florida State so after in that time between between the champ the playoff game and the national championship. national championship that's pretty stupid he's got an assault charge or something broke somebody's arm something i i read something about that and then i guess the straw that broke the camel's back he got a DUI DUI uh, DUII. Yeah. So you is is the background that you have. What is the difference between a DUI and a DUII? Um, I don't know. All right. There's there's DUI. Two terms I know. There's DUI and DWI. They're basically the same thing. They're just driving and to- driving under the influence and driving while intoxicated. They mean the same thing. It's just whatever the statute of the state decided to call it. And. Yeah, I I don't know what the difference between a DUII and a DUI. It's probably the same thing. Well, it's it sounds like it just says the difference between the states, like you said. But, yeah, um, it's just the state statute. So he, you know, Willie Taggart comes into Oregon. He, you know, he's trying to come from UCF, where you know he had some good things and everything. Or was it USF? Was it USF or UCF? I don't know. So Willie, Willie Taggart comes in, and obviously he's going to try to come clean house. You know, every coach comes in. 
They look at Tom Herman. Or not Tom Herman. Charlie Strong. Oh, yeah. He he really cleaned house. He cleaned house down in Texas. And, you know, even even Brian Kelly came in and cleaned house in Notre Dame. So. Yep. Jim Harbaugh did the same thing. Coaches come into new teams and they clean house. Unfortunately, Darren Carrington, and, you know, when he. when, When. Tiger came in. Darren Carrington was going to be listed as the number one wide receiver coming into Oregon this year, and he's you know Darren Carrington. He was he's a he's a big time talent. You fans might remember him because he broke your heart last year. Broke my heart. Oh, what the? Uh... Yeah, he caught that pass with two seconds left in the end zone to beat Utah. Seventeen yard touchdown to end the game. Well, two seconds left. So Darren Carrington, so far in his career, has had 112 receptions for nearly 2,000 yards, 1919, and 15 touchdowns, which is phenomenal. Um, last year was his most productive year receptions-wise. He had 43 catches. He averaged 14 yards a catch, but he had five touchdowns. You could argue his his 2015 year is probably the most productive when it came to touchdowns uh, because he had six touchdown catches. Um, he, you know, he just he's just done. Phenomenal. He's a great talent, but he went and did something stupid, got a DUI, and Taggart was done with that. Taggart was right. done with giving second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Right. I mean, it didn't hurt. I mean, it didn't help Carrington's case that he had been in trouble before. He he, you know, failed drug test, uh, an incident where he broke somebody's arm on campus. He, you know, he's he had his shots up in up in Oregon and. Taggart said, no, we're done with this. Uh, we love you, but see you later. And that's something that Taggart actually said in the media days. He talked about how he he loves his players and he loved Darren Carrington, but unfortunately, he, you know, he, he couldn't do it anymore at Oregon. That's the thing about college football, though. Not only college football, but football in general. And this is why we love football so much here at the Read Option Podcast, is that football, even if you've got your... You've, you've got your three strikes, four strikes, fifth strikes in some cases, and then you finally get removed from a team. It, it maybe not necessarily you as a person. It could be the team, you know, and the atmosphere and those things, and you know, and the comfort level that you've received. From understanding, from my understanding, he was okay as a freshman, and then maybe he got comfortable as a sophomore, and those those things started happening. And well, you you never know what's going on, um, but something like this can always be a big wake up call, like. He can come in and maybe he thinks, hey, I'm the big shot football player. I'm king of the campus. I can do whatever I want and get away with it. And Taggart was willing to send him a message that says, no, you can't. And kicked him off the team. And maybe that maybe that is just the, the wake-up call you need to say, hey, no, we're done. And he, he goes, oh, well, maybe I can't get away with everything. And then he goes and he's like, "Well, I'm I'm done at Oregon. Now I need to find a new school to go to and enter the University of Utah and Kyle Whittingham." Right. So the University of Utah, for those Pac-12 fans, you probably know. You probably don't. I don't know if you do or don't know. Utah has not only a Pac-12. Um, they, they're they're just so known for the Pac-12, but they're also so known across the country for taking players with with backgrounds of this of this stature that and then they're. They changed them. Look at um, Garrett Bowles. You know, when he was early in his life, he was making some dumb decisions and, and doing things similar to Darren Carrington. Right. Um, or uh, 
Joe Williams. Joe Williams, Joe Williams, perfect example. And Joe Williams, he quit the team last year. I don't like to use the word, but I mean that's what it is. He got he, he got team. in trouble in Connecticut. At Connecticut, he got in trouble with the law in Connecticut. All oh, right, before he got, he got here to Utah, he got kicked off of the Connecticut football team. And we, Coach Whittingham, was willing to to extend an offer to him and say, "Hey, come in, come here, and you know we'll help you out." Uh, and they did the same thing with Josh Gordon from Baylor. Now and that that's one, a little known thing. Josh yeah. Gordon, he only lasted what ten days at yeah. Utah. He didn't work out. He never saw the field. I think he was here the whole the whole semester, but he never saw the field because, as everybody knows, Josh Gordon can't lay off the weed. Right. And that's the thing, though. Whittingham, University of Utah. They will come. They will give you the opportunity, but you are on a very short leash. And I don't know if you have anybody ever seen Whittingham's calves. I wouldn't want to deal with that dude if he's got me on a short leash. And he's, you know, if he's saying, "Hey, listen, this is your last opportunity. You failed here. You failed here. We're giving you a last opportunity. I'm gonna take everything I can." And and when we've talked about Kyle Whittingham, they were asking him about it at the Pac-12 media days. They asked him about Carrington, and he said it's always a tough decision when you're talking about a player that you're going to add to your program that potentially has a checkered past. You have to make a decision based on all the information you can gather based on the athlete's attitude. You know, is he remorseful? Does he understand that he's done some stupid things and ready to put it behind him and move on? There is so much that goes into it. It's a judgment call. You're not always right. But I feel in this case, it was the right thing to do to give Darren another opportunity. Now, he is not cleared to practice or even complete or even compete. There are still hurdles to go through. He's on campus right now, and we're hoping that things get worked out, but there are some hurdles he has to get through before everything is done deal. Now, we're going to joke about that here over here at the Read Option Podcast, because when he said that, the following day, that's when op- when Utah opened their that's fall when it, camp. That's when he got the clearance. That's when the conference said, yep, Darren Carrington's good to go, and Carrington didn't miss a second of practice. He was out there practicing first thing. Not one second. Not, not one second did he miss of practice. Now... I should Kyle Whittingham should he maybe suspend Carrington for a game for what happened? Should he maybe discipline him in some other way? I don't I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. Maybe, maybe not. I I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't know if it should happen. But uh, from what I gather, I don't I don't think there's gonna be a suspension because the infraction was not. At Utah, it was while he was a member of the Ducks football. Well, and I think that sends a bad message. Um, you know, we've we've just spent the last few minutes talking about how Utah is, is notoriety for bringing kids in and helping them, you know, get their lives back on the right track. That's not by bringing them in and you know they've done it with players Dominic Hatfield, Brian Blecken, players that were you know on the team, right? And then and then they got in some trouble. They, you know they have a program. They know what they're doing. They they've got a program that's like a seven step alcoholic anonymous whatever get program to get on there. But they know what they're doing, and I think suspending a kid who didn't do anything on your team sends a bad message to that kid. If he suspends Darren Carrington, that sends a bad message. I think it sends a bad message to a lot of not just Carrington, but I think it sends a a bad message to maybe some other high school recruits that maybe you're looking at recruiting. Now, I think once the letter of intent is signed or you've committed there and you do something wrong, yeah, maybe you can take some disciplinary action then. But 
I think if he's not in your program, I th- I think the appropriate thing, the appropriate punishment was carried out. I think it was dismissal from Oregon's football team, and whatever the law happens to hand down for him, I don't know what that will be. I don't pretend to know anything more about the case than what we've talked about here. But I think that will be the appropriate punishment, and I think I think at Utah it should be a clean slate. I agree, uh, and I, honestly, I want to come out and say this real, real quick. I think all three parties we're talking Oregon, Darren Carrington, and University of Utah handled this the way it should be handled. I agree. Uh, you know, Darren Carrington, he did something stupid, and three, you know, the consequence of that is Willie Taggart, like like he should have. Dismissed you from the team. You've had enough chances, even though I understand that. Oh, okay, clean slate. You're on Willie Tech. No, it's not a clean slate. You're still at Oregon. You have a pass to Oregon. Well, and I don't think. May I mean, obviously, Carrington's slate's not going to be 100 100 percent clean when he gets here. Uh, I think what's going to happen is he's going to be on, like we said, a short leash. He's going to be on a one strike policy. He screws up. I guarantee you. It'll be gone. If it has anything to do with drugs or alcohol or any sort of violence, he's gone. I mean, if he misses curfew, he's not going to get kicked off the team. But he might get a harsher punishment than other players. Say Troy Williams. Right. Or somebody else. Well, and speaking of that, a uh, question was asked to Coach Kyle Whittingham about Darren Carrington being on a tight leash at media days. And the uh, question was, has he been on a tight leash at all? While at Utah, and Kyle Wayne has said, sure, you treat players how they deserve to be treated. So with his missteps in the past, that's definitely puts him on a shorter leash. No doubt about it. So what he's saying about this is, yeah, obviously, he's got a past, so we got to keep him in. But understand, you know, shorter leash can then get longer and longer and longer with good behavior, things of that nature. Um, like I said, though, all three parties, Darren Carrington, an an aspect of this story and this this thing that's going on with them is Darren Carrington has shown extraordinary remorse for his actions that he's taken. And from what I've been able to read and, and learn from others and talking to others, he's shown an extreme amount of remorse that is abnormal for, from others. And so we'll see. I think this is something to watch. Um, we can get down to it in the wide receiver core. Uh, he's coming in. He's already shown at practice that he's been phenomenal. He's quickly moving up the depth chart, and he's been phenomenal at practice. If if I were Coach Whittingham or if I were uh, Guy Holiday, I would make sure that either Troy Williams or maybe even Cooper Bateman, or yeah, maybe. Maybe they're they're right by Darren Carrington's side all the time. Well, even if you have to say Darren Carrington, hey, guess what? You and you and Cooper Bateman, you are now roommates. You are attached at the hip, basically, right? And that and that's something that needs to be done. And and I think Darren Carrington understands that. I don't know him personally. I would like to get to know Darren Carrington personally. I like to get you know a lot of people personally. I think he would understand the whole thing. Well, I mean, let's get down and talk about it. You know, we know a little bit more about the wide receivers since the camp's been going a little bit. Um, Kendrick Young has been moved, like you said, from wide receiver to defensive back, something that Utah does all the time. And I think that might have been a numbers game more than just a talent situation because currently Utah has a, a large amount of wide receivers. 
Well, Guy Holiday said, or not Guy Holiday, Sharif Shah said that he's been trying to get uh, Kendrick Gunn to come over for a while. He's been trying to poach him since pretty much day one. Day one. Day one. Wow. That's what that's that's what I got off the what I heard today. So Utah currently has 15 wide receivers in camp. That is a large amount of wide receivers, but and that's minus two from last year. Not because they graduated, because they moved to defense. Right. Well, and you've got you've got freshmen though. You've Tim got, Patrick. Well, Tim He's Patrick's gone. gone, but you've got freshmen. Jalen Dixon, I think he might be the only freshman I can see that actually gets to the field, to be honest with you. But um, Samson, Dakota, 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 well, he's a redshirt freshman. So Dakota Baker, Bronson Boyd, they're probably going to get redshirted. So, I mean, Alec Dana, he's a big-time JUCO guy. We brought in, and he's just kind of been redshirting and trying to get on the field, and I think this is his breakthrough year for sure. Um, and then you've got Jalen Dixon, Darren Carrington, Jamison Field, Kyle Folks, Tyquas Hampton. He's another freshman that will see time this year. Yes. Um, Troy McCormick. Troy McCormick is a running back who moved to wide receiver, right. which it, my personal Smart opinion move. was the right thing to do. Damari Simpkins, he was a big-time freshman last year. For Utah, he made quite a few catches. Then you got Raylon Singleton, Brian Thompson, um, Derek Vickers, and C.O.C. Wilson. C.O.C. Wilson. So love that guy. Yeah. So Darren Carrington has a lot of wide receivers to to not only keep him in the fold, but to help compete and make this wide receiver. Because as as most people know, Utah's running a new offense this year, and they say that all the time. Utah joke with Utah is. Oh, how many offensive coordinator? Every year we got a new offensive coordinator. All right, this year you got uh, Troy Taylor, okay, and he's coming from Eastern Washington, and his claim to fame is he coached up Jake Browning at Folsom High School. Right. So they're going to be running an up tempo. Well, he was also a pretty darn good quarterback at Cal, and he. He's also coached in D1 before as a quarterback coach or an assistant in some capacity. So Utah's going to be throwing the ball a lot more this year, hence the huge acquisition of a whole bunch of wide receivers. And from what I've been reading recently is the wide receivers are very happy. But the most per- the person that's the most happy is Troy Williams because he actually gets to throw the ball. And so Darren Carrington is coming into a situation where he could be the leader instantly in this receiving core, he's got well, the most experience. He's, he's instantly the best wide receiver. I don't, I don't really see that as even a question. Oh yeah, no, I mean, he's definitely the best. Wide I receiver. love Simpkins and Singleton and Wilson, but yeah, Darren Carrington, he's he's definitely the best wide receiver there is on this team. So when you're going against Utah this year, your starting lineup, they're going to probably play three wide receivers, most likely even four. Probably with three wide receivers and a tight end, right? Right. Their starting three wide receivers are going to be Darren Carrington on the outside, right? Probably with Raylon Singleton on the other outside. And then you're probably going to see Damari Simpkins in the slot. And then Raylon, you know, Raylon Singleton is probably so thrilled right now that Darren Carrington is here because Raylon Singleton was the number one guy going into camp. He was the guy that was going to replace Tim Patrick. He was the guy that was going to get all the attention. 
now defenses come in on they're like Darren Carrington, you know, an all pack twelve wide receiver, transfers in, and it's into an offense that's somewhat similar and he could he could flourish in this offense more than he has before. I mean Utah I don't think Utah's had a guy very recently that's caught more than thirty five balls. Uh I I think Tim Patrick had uh pretty close to forty last year. So and and you've got Darren Carrington who's averaging, you know, almost forty in his three years at Oregon. Well we so. definitely haven't had uh Utah definitely hasn't had a thousand yard receiver since Drez. Right, Drez Anderson, and and you know, and and getting on Twitter and and looking at people that have actually been able to go up to camp and and see him, they're they're actually the similarities between him and Drez Anderson are, is what people are they're saying. He's very much like Drez Anderson, similar size, similar build. He's a little bit Darren Kerrigan's a little bit slower. Than Drez Anderson, but much better hands than his U fans and even all Pac-12 fans know. As long as Drez we're not tipping that, well, as long as we're not tipping that ball in the air, so it's an easy pick. Right. I'm I'm good with a little bit of slower. So Utah's offense could be could be significantly better in the hashtag throw game. Hashtag. So um, yeah, you got Darren Carrington, you've got Raylon Singleton, and then you're gonna rotate guys. In and out, in and out. Troy McCormick's going to see a lot of snaps. Uh, you're going to have Tyquas Hampton's going to see snaps. Samson Naku is going to see snaps. Brian Thompson's going to see snaps. Vickers is going to see snaps. C.O.C. Wilson's going to see snaps. C.O.C. Wilson had starts last year. I mean, you've got, out of these 15 players, you've probably got 12. I'd say C.O.C. Wilson's the breakout player for this for this wide receiving core. He's yeah. going to have a good year. I think the, be- the thing that, that we need to focus on in this discussion, though, is the effect Darren Carrington is going to have on this wide receiver core. The leadership that he's going to bring to this wide receiver core is you just can't even put a measure on it. I think it's a huge leadership, and I think it's a great opportunity, and I think that might have been one of the big recruiting points that Whittingham was using on, on Carrington, saying, hey, I understand you had problems, but you know, a lot of times leadership can solve those problems. Come be the leader of my wide receiver crew. We got a lot of really talented but young wide receivers, and they need a leader, and you're the guy. And that's something that could help him flourish. And that's what happened with Garrett Bowles last year. He became the leader of the offensive line. He and Isaac Asiata became the leader of that offensive line, and they both flourished in that role. Right. I think it's important to look at it that way, that, yeah, Utah's getting a great wide receiver. That's And that's what some opposing fan bases are going to look at. They just want a good wide receiver. But I think they really also want to help Carrington succeed. That's what Coach Witt's always been about, is helping these guys succeed and be better than what they were yesterday. And I think that's that's what it boils down to. Yeah, Utah's getting a great wide receiver. You're not going to take a chance like this on somebody that can't help your team. You're not going to take a chance like this on somebody that got booted off of Fresno State. You're just not going to take that chance. But a good receiver, he's he's worth he's worth the risk, and hopefully you can help him out. Well, and it's not just Kyle Whittingham. Uh, you know, Rich Rodriguez. He was he was looking into Darren Carrington. I'm sure almost every single Pac-12 team, besides obviously Oregon, was looking into having Darren Carrington come and join their squad. And a lot of the coach, actually, I can't think of a single coach 
in this conference that wouldn't be doing the same thing Whittingham would be doing right now and taking this kid under their wing and, you know, football coaches, they're a different kind of people. A lot of football coaches are misunderstood. They're not there for the glory. They're there to help kids become men, right? That's what, and so that's what, that's this whole thing. That's what that's going on right now. Darren Carrington is being picked up by the University of Utah to not only help him become a better person and become a man, but the, he can have that leadership role and change that. And I think he just feels good at Utah. I think Utah's far enough away from all the problems he had at Oregon and things of that nature, and I think it's a good environment. And I think the Garrett Bowles aspect of it, the Joe Williams aspect of it, the Dominique Hatfield aspect of it, I think that speaks out to these kids. These kids need a place to go, too. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're talented kids. You can't just let go. I mean, obviously there's a limit, but a DUI is not a limit. The DUI, I mean, three, four DUI, maybe two, but this single one, I understand he's had a bad a bad rap, but people need opportunities to be able to overcome these. Absolutely. And that's the opportunity he's gotten. All right, well, thank you for joining us at the, the Read Option Podcast. You know, We're going to continue to give these guys every week. We're going to give you episodes every week. Um, we're going to get out on a better schedule. Um, we had some technical difficulties the last time we tried to record. Um, we're going to get on a better schedule probably. When it gets into the season, we're going to be dropping, what, Sunday nights? We're going to be dropping Sunday nights? Well, I think we'll probably record Sunday, and probably it'll probably get dropped Monday. So we're going to probably try to do two episodes a week when it gets into the season, because we want to do a Friday episode that's a breakdown. Yeah, and, and we want we want to like do a shorter a, episode. A recap of what of what happened in the week, and then give you a preview of what's to come and we might record those in the same night and just release them on different days who knows but give us a follow on twitter at the read option podcast that's capital r e a d capital o p t uh podcast p o capital p so p o d c a s t that's right so yeah read opt podcast you can tell that we it, it was was a kind of a interesting way to start things up with the the podcast because it's hard to make twitter accounts for like i said read option podcast just want to follow us um we're the read option podcast at at read opt podcast and so we've just currently we're just going to get everything going and like i said we're going to get some more breakdowns um, next week we're trying we'll, to try to bring you some more stuff we'll have a facebook page probably an instagram account but we're going to kind of try to start things off a little slowly and just stick with twitter for now but uh, give us a follow and uh we'll see y'all later all right thanks It's the